So almost everybody I know has trouble sleeping. Are racing thoughts overtaking your night of sleep? Are you tired of not being able to sleep? Do you have trouble falling asleep or staying asleep? If so, it is time for you to try Ebb. If you've tried everything else from pills to pillows with little success, then try Ebb. Ebb is the first and only wearable drug-free solution that targets the root cause of sleeplessness, the racing thoughts. It works like this. Ebb applies precise and continuous cooling to the forehead, which calms your mind, and it's clinically validated. Four out of five users report falling asleep faster and improving overall sleep quality. Ebb allows people suffering from sleeplessness to drift more comfortably into a deeper, more restorative sleep. Ebb Sleep is designed to work with your natural sleep-wake rhythms to allow you to get into that deep sleep more quickly. I'm telling you, this is a real issue. Many people I know have trouble sleeping. You want to have the energy to do the things you love to do again, right? You need to get the sleep then in order to do them. Ebb's natural solution has no morning side effects and allows you to get back to your peak performance. Right now, you can try Ebb risk-free for 60 nights to confirm that it is the solution you have been looking for. Go to tryebb.com slash Rome. That's T-R-Y-E-B-B dot com slash Rome. Tryebb.com slash Rome. Order today. Get the sleep that you need and you deserve. It's part of the mystery of Aaron Hernandez. It's why... I think people remain and, and will remain fascinated in this story. I can guarantee you, as you watch this documentary, you will, the series, you will be taken in places and, 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 and find stuff out that you just never saw coming because nobody could ever figure Aaron Hernandez out. Hey now, what's cracking, everybody? Welcome to the Jim Rome Podcast. I am especially pumped for episode 112. Got a good friend of the program joining the pod today to talk about his newest project that you can catch exclusively on Netflix. Now, I've said this before. I'll say it again right now. Pound for pound, Dan Wetzel is as good as anybody in the game. He can write the hell out of anything at all. And he has, but he's so much more than that. He is also now an executive producer on a Netflix documentary, which drops today entitled Killer Inside, The Mind of Aaron Hernandez. In addition to spending years on this particular project and even longer on the Hernandez beat, Dan has also authored a series of kids books called Epic Athletes, and he's the co-host of the Yahoo College Football Podcast. Once again, I've got tremendous respect for him and his ability, so much so that he makes a rare second appearance on this podcast. Yahoo's Dan Wetzel joins me for Ep 112 of the Jim Rohn Podcast, which starts right now. Right, so Dan, you're an executive producer on a three-part documentary series called Killer Inside, The Mind of Aaron Hernandez, which has already dropped on Netflix. It's streaming currently. Now, Dan, you and I have talked about this in the past. You've worked the Hernandez beat for years. So what was it like working on this particular project, and what was your goal going in? Well, um, it, it was it was uh, certainly interesting. Uh, it, it's the thing about the Hernandez story is, as you're covering on a daily basis as a reporter, uh, a day in, day out, there's just so much material and so many themes and just narratives and, and uh, angles to go on that you just can't fully explore that, you know, at those times or it just gets, it, it's just hard to do on a daily basis. The story is so um, fluid 
uh, it doesn't fit into a box. The characters don't fit into boxes. Um, it's just a very complicated story. So it was a lot of it was a lot of fun to try to do it in a different medium, and particularly as a visual medium. Um, and we're just basically trying to just explore the story uh, with you know journalistic value and tell the full story of of Aaron Hernandez, which includes you know, not excusing his behavior, but explaining the situations he had, um, detailing the crimes, uh, talking about the victims, um, bringing up all the different twists and turns that go into it. And uh, it, it took a long time to do. Not an easy story to tell because it's not, it's not like a linear story. And again, it's, it's, it's complicated. I think anybody who watches it, there'll be times that there'll be, you know, they'll just see sides of, of the different characters in it that you, you don't expect, including Aaron himself. You know, in trying to put this thing together, Dan, there were numerous interviews that were conducted. with to get inside the mind of Hernandez. I'm curious, you know, and as a journalist, obviously you did your best and did a really good job of setting up these relationships, but how accessible were these folks and how willing were they to tell you what they knew and what they thought? It just varied. Um, you had, you know, you had... Some people that were, you know, uh, very into it. Some obviously declined. We reached out to hundreds of people. Um, there's people we interviewed that didn't make the, you know, didn't make the final cut. But we 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 tried to just open it up to everybody. You also had two lengthy trials where, uh, which include uh, scores of witnesses who sat under oath and testified. So even if you couldn't get, you know, maybe. Uh, you know, Robert Kraft wasn't going to sit for an interview with us, but he, but he testified at a trial. So there's a lot there. And then we have the inclusion of, um, uh, you know, along the way we were able to get the Freedom of Information Act uh, fulfilled to get uh, many of the jailhouse calls that Aaron would make that are all recorded. So if you're ever talking to anyone from jail, just know you're being recorded. And those provided, I think, really the most some of the most compelling content because you have Aaron talking to his fiance, his mother, his brother, his friends, his agent, all the different people in, you know, ways that you would never get if you just sat down and interviewed them. It's not guarded. Uh, some of it is uh, incredibly raw. Uh, you're, you know, it's almost uncomfortable to listen to the things and you really see over the course of time what this guy's going through and some of the, the issues he's, he's hashing out with his family. So, uh, and you also have Aaron's voice in there, which, you know, when we started the project, the ultimate goal was to sit down with Aaron Hernandez uh, when his, you know, his trials were done. And then obviously after the four days after the second trial finished, uh, he commits suicide. So, uh, you, you, but we do have his voice in there and, and probably more insight than we ever would have got if we actually just sat down with him. You know, frankly, Dan, even in the trailer, to hear his voice, it's really eerie. It's really very, very eerie. And you mentioned the suicide, so I'm just going to jump ahead. And you mentioned that the goal was to talk to him. Do you think that you were going to get him to sit down? Was that likely? Was that going to happen? You know, it's hard to say uh, because he was going to appeal, uh, you know, eventually maybe. Uh, certainly, we're certainly going to try. You just never know with, with you know, time, time ticks and, um, he spent a lot of time as a reporter trying to get interviews or, or staying on something, you, you know, you never really, you're always optimistic, but, um, you know, certainly we weren't, you know, during, during, while he's standing trial, he's obviously not going to sit down in that kind of an interview for this, but, um, you know, we're hopeful 
but obviously that was a twist to the story that no one's expected and no one saw coming and and is is part of the part of it too the thing with Aaron is you know I think when you watch the watch the series in almost every facet of his life and almost every relationship he had there's a there's a second side that the that the people don't know or are not expecting uh and I think the suicide is part of that where even the people who you know, knew him best, were most loyal to him. I mean, his attorneys at that point, after the, the, the second murder trial where he, you know, he had been found not guilty, they had been with him every day for, you know, hours and hours and hours for weeks on end, months preparing for the trial and going through the trial, and they were absolutely stunned that he commits suicide. So there's just, in, in all cases, there's, a, there's almost a second side to Aaron Hernandez in, in every relationship he has. So Dan, very, very hard guy to peg down. I'm sorry, I was going to say, what about you? What What was the first thing that went through your mind when you heard that he took his own life? I, I was like, I think I was like everyone else. I was just, you know, stunned that that it happened at that moment. I did understand, you know, my, my theory on this, and obviously no one knows. Um, I really felt that uh, in, in watching him and talking to a lot of people who are around him in different facets during the the um the second trial that um he he had gotten some life because he had something to do and that was to to he had a purpose he he was fighting you know fighting the case and he was out of jail out of prison at the time he was able to not he wasn't free but each day he would get to go to court and put on a suit and sit there and he had some normalcy to his life and the concept of spending you know, he he still was a, a convicted murderer, and he probably was never. There was really almost no chance he would ever win uh, an appeal and then win a second trial. So he, he was basically facing uh, what what I thought he 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 realized would be another fifty years uh, in in maximum security prison until he died of natural causes, and I think that's why he committed suicide. But so I, I you know, after a few moments, I guess I could say, yeah, that, you know, maybe that was it. I know there's a there's a gazillion theories out there. You can find anybody, uh, particularly jailhouse rumors or anybody to say anything. But um, I think just when you you go in at 23, and that's when he was arrested. He went into he went into he was incarcerated at 23, and you're facing life. You're looking at you know 50, 60 years. Uh, that is an overwhelming and daunting thing. And so the idea that you would try to commit suicide at that point doesn't doesn't stun me he certainly had thought it out and, and spent a lot of time planning it and, and planning on how to orchestrate it sure this docuseries is streaming right now on netflix and dan in no way am i looking to sensationalize any of this at all but you mentioned there there are a gazillion theories you know for instance the speculation that he may have ended his own life due to the fear that the topic of his sexual orientation might come up do you personally think there's anything to that um I, I don't on that, and again, this is just an educated opinion, uh, as educated as I can be on it. I don't think that was it. There was a radio interview in Boston where he was sort of uh, the rumors that he was that he was uh, bisexual were were addressed publicly and, and you know in, in kind of a crude fashion, um, and that was something he struggled with his whole life is is dealing with his. Uh, who he was and dealing with the sexuality and trying to, you know, in, in a, in a very closeted, in a world that would favor clo- being, staying closeted of football and, and all of that. And, and we do explore that in there, but 
Um, simply put, the, the amount for him to, to commit suicide in prison, committing suicide in prison isn't easy. Uh, you know, you just, he had to plan it out and he had to get, I mean, he had to tie a, a, a bed, a bed sheet up over and over and over till it was strong enough to hold his frame. He had to acquire, uh, you know, soap, enough soap to put on the floor so he couldn't stand, uh, you know, he was put cardboard boxes to block the, uh, boxing to kind of block the door. He plotted out this, all these elaborate things. He wrote notes. Uh, it just, it would have taken, I don't believe in two days he would have pulled all of that off uh, and decided instantly to do it. So I think he was planning his suicide before that interview. But, you know, we don't know. He didn't provide an answer, and uh, everybody's got a different theory. But that that's his mind. I don't think that that was the – I don't think that's what did it, uh, whether it contributed or not, maybe. But I don't think that it, he was he, – he wasn't already thinking – then one more wild theory that was floating around is that he didn't actually take his own life. Do you buy that at all? No, he definitely took his own life. Uh, that was certainly a, 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 originally it was such a stunner that his family thought that, um, but they even gave up on that. Uh, if you, uh, I, you know, I looked deeply into that. I mean, first off, you would need, uh, I think it was something like, I counted up like 19 people to be in on it including like the, the, the doctor at the local hospital who would you know, basically risk everything to be in on a murder of a guy, you know, there's no way. Also his suicide notes, he wrote three suicide notes, uh, one to his lawyer, one to his daughter and one to, one to his uh, fiance, Shayana. And in each of those contained uh, very personal. Th- I mean, he had like a, a, a song that he and Shayana liked, like the lyrics of the song. So if someone was coming in to murder you and said, you know, I need you to write a suicide, somehow under duress, you write a suicide note, you're not going to write three notes with this much personal information. It just, it's just, there's just nothing to it. So, um, and, and first you, you would need, uh, you would need multiple people. I mean, this is a, this is a six foot four, 240 pound, 27 year old guy who could have been playing in the NFL. I mean, just so much to it. So. Um, he committed suicide, uh, 100%. Um, and, and again, it's just part of the mystery of Aaron Hernandez. It's why I think people are, remain and, and will remain fascinated in this story. I, I can guarantee you, as you watch this documentary, you will, the series, you will, you know, be taken in places and, 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 and find stuff out that you just never saw coming because nobody could ever figure Aaron Hernandez out. I'm going to follow you up on that in one minute. The docuseries is streaming right now on Netflix. Dan Wetzel joining us. Dan, this notion that he was 6'4", 240, and really a pretty scary guy. Like, prison, obviously, is the most terrifying thing imaginable for pretty much everybody in the world. What was life like on the inside for Aaron Hernandez? So there were two different experiences. When he was in the county jail, um, one of the one of the more, more chilling and remarkable parts was he – he got into county jail and he's awaiting trial. So the county jail is different than a, than a maximum security prison. You'll have people in there, you know, doing three months for drug possession or, you know, people overnight on a DUI. It's just a different place. Even if you, they put you in the, in a, the more hardcore area, what they expected at the jail was, uh, they put them on suicide watch. They expected, uh, anybody who's dealing with the kind of pressure and charges he's dealing with in Europe for life, they usually break down. They're crying. They're banging the door. They're screaming. They aren't. They shouldn't be there. 
it's a it's a it's a, a very difficult early adjustment. The jail officials were stunned when Aaron just moved in, no problem, just no no problem. There's literally we actually have audio of him just talking to his uh, his uh, mother about how much he actually thinks his his cell is cozy and. Uh, I think there was at that at the time before the Odin Lloyd murder that he was arrested for, he was under incredible pressure because he thought he was going to get murdered himself uh, by uh, his former friend Alexander Bradley, who blamed him, uh, who said either Aaron shot him in the head, shot Bradley in the head, Bradley survived, or at least was responsible for the shooting. Um, and he was basically hunting. Uh, Aaron Hernandez down. So I think there was almost a relief. Uh, so at the county jail, he, he was, he did fine. When he had to go to the maximum security prison up in Shirley, Massachusetts, um, that was a different ball game. Now you had, uh, prison gangs. You had a much more hardcore environment. You had other murderers. You had a lot of people who, yeah, Aaron Hernandez is a big guy. You might want him on your side. You're either recruiting him, but there's also a lot of people who, might want to take a shot at him. So there was a lot of disciplinary problems there uh, and different things. It was a much, much more uh, violent and uh, and difficult place to live uh, at the Shirley Max than it was at the county jail. All right, so as you mentioned, there are a lot of twists and turns that people who see this may not believe, may not know about, that there's a second side to a lot of things here. Like, what sorts of new information, perhaps, does the docuseries provide about Hernandez, and what are the things maybe you were looking to dispel? Well, you know, we, we were very focused on, on, on adhering to, you know, the, the facts and, and, and journalistically sound reporting and storytelling and trying to get all sides and not going with, you know, I think, like I said earlier, you can get rumors about anything you want, especially now with Aaron Hernandez, especially after his death. Um, what, what shakes out? What's real? What's provable? Um, because that story alone is, is, is enough. And so there, there are twists and there are things that people aren't expecting. Um, but, but it's not necessarily like, oh, we've got this wild claim or there's this, you know, crazy rumor. Uh, it's not a shock value thing. It's more, I can't, I can't believe that it went in that direction or that that's a, that's a deal. I mean, obviously you just have, you just, you have a lot of stuff. I think probably the most, powerful stuff that very few people have heard are all the are the many jailhouse conversations because I, I think it makes the docu the docu series because you hear Aaron in his own voice and again we have you know him discussing his childhood with his mother on a jailhouse call is a is a you know incredibly intense experience that you would there would be no other way to replicate other than having the, having those phone calls so I think you get a lot of that type of stuff Right. So without giving that away, I won't say exactly what he said to her, but it is really powerful and it's intense. Like if we were to walk this whole thing back and the obvious question, Dan, how did somebody like that, somebody who had so much, get so caught up? I mean, it's the broadest question imaginable, but how did this guy go from being an NFL star who had just signed a $40 million contract to a convicted killer? How did that happen? You know, we don't have an answer. We don't. And I think the only honest thing to do is to not provide one because nobody knows. I think this is a perfect cocktail that created this, this storm. Um, if you, we go through a lot of different things and again, it's not excusing, it's explaining Aaron Hernandez made his own decisions. 
and Aaron Hernandez ruined a lot of lives, ended lives, um, you know, terribly affected so many different people. Uh, he's no hero or anything like that. But you look at, at, at so many different things that happened, whether it was, uh, you know, abuse as a child, uh, uh, his father passing away in high school and really leaving him rudderless, a chaotic home life after that decision to go to University of Florida, not the University of Connecticut, where he had a better support system, uh, becoming friends with Alexander Bradley, uh, drug abuse, to an affection for guns, uh, and sort of a, a gangster lifestyle that made no sense. He didn't grow up in a bad, he grew up in a two-parent home. It wasn't perfect, but, you know, in a, with a yard and a basketball hoop in the gra- driveway and a fence around, you know, a nice white fence and in, in Bristol, Connecticut. He wasn't, you know, this isn't a guy who had to escape anything. Uh, he chose, after making it to the NBA to hang out, or NFL to hang out with um, gangsters like Alexander Bradley and to surround himself with guns and things like that. And so you have all of that um, uh, and, and all the different things that ascend that the C- is a CTE. Is it, you know, the, the pressure and the, the pain of not being able to be who you are in terms of your sexuality, is it all, all the different things? Is there one of those things that did it? I, you know, or is it all of them? It'd be, it's impossible to know. And so I, I just kind of reject anyone who's like, well, it was this. How do you know? It, maybe it was just all of it. But whatever it was, we got a story that you just simply have never seen or heard before. Uh, you have a guy who, again, like you said, has a $40 million contract for outward appearances, has it, has it all. The big mansion. He's caught catches a touchdown pass in the Super Bowl from Tom Brady. He's got the, all the money. His fiance loves him. Devoted. He's got this beautiful daughter, and yet he's seeking other things. He's out at night, uh, being involved in shootings and and and, and murders, and and just seeking all the other things that are on him. That, that normally you would say, "Why are you doing that? Uh, move on from that." Or don't. It wasn't even move on. Why are you Why are you trying to live that life? So there's just so many different things that, that played into it. Um, you know, when you think of, you know, pro sports crime, you know, the most famous one, at least of this generation, is, is OJ. And, and that's obviously a sensational story, an incredible story. But OJ was retired football player. Uh, and OJ was involved in what is unfortunately fairly common, which is spousal abuse and domestic violence. And so, you know, when a when a young woman uh, is, is murdered, the number one suspect is either her husband or ex-husband. Uh, this is something totally different. I mean, Aaron was involved in, you know, potentially up to seven people getting shot and three murdered. And, I mean, even if he, he was found not guilty of the double homicide, but he, he was there and he ended up stashing the murder car. So, I mean, he's, you know... He, he, he was at least at present, at, at the very best, he was present and then covered up a double homicide and then played an entire season in the NFL. Or he pulled the trigger and killed the two guys and then played an entire season. We've never seen anything like that. And it, so it's, it takes a, it, 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 there isn't just a single thing. None of this story fits in the box the right way. And I think that's what makes it so fascinating. So I think people will come away with it in different ways and say, I think it's this, I think it's that. And uh, Honestly, Aaron left everybody a mystery. I mean, Dan, it's, it was such a remarkable response you just shared. It, it's impossible to determine what's the most amazing thing about this whole thing. I mean, the whole thing just, 
I'm incredulous still to this day, but that point you just made that it's not like O.J. Simpson. We're talking about an athlete in his prime who went back to work and would go into the locker room. Like his Patriot teammate. Like, I don't even know how you live with something like that, but then we're talking about a different guy and who knows what was dealing, what he was dealing with. You're trying to get inside the mind of Aaron Hernandez. But what did his Patriot teammates think of him generally? And, and just, just to that point, O.J. wasn't out on a drive-by shooting. Right. OJ wasn't out like plotting a murder in a field. Like OJ was accused of a rage killing, right? In, in, in his in his backyard when he discovered his ex wife with a you know a guy bringing some glasses to her and he went crazy. These you know that's a, just a very different crime. Obviously, the, the at the end the murder is a murder, but it's it's a different deal than hey, I'm going to ambush these guys and just shoot up a bunch of guys I barely know because I'm mad at them maybe, or this guy's mad at them. Um, the Patriots' teammates, you know, the one thing people say, how do the Patriots not know? Well, they, they, they knew there was trouble and they knew stuff, but Aaron was, was deceptive. Um, he, was not, he wasn't honest with anybody in his life. People didn't know the other side of him. Uh, he did not hang out with a lot of the Patriots. He hung out with... Uh, friends who weren't football players. And so, um, you know, it's not like he and Tom Brady were, were hanging out. Aaron Hernandez was showing up every single day ready to work. He was a great football player. And he was never missing a meeting. He was always in shape. He was working out. The Patriots loved him. They they don't just give out a $40 million contract in New England if they don't believe in you. There, there's no – people was like, well, Belichick and, and Kraft must have known he had this sideline. They would never have given – it just is a not – forget like the morals of it. This is a practical business matter. They're not, they, don't, they don't tie themselves to anybody that could come back and hurt them or not, not work. So in terms of inside the building, Aaron was great. And the Patriots, this is discussed in the, in the thing, we talked to a number of former Patriots, like – in many ways, the Patriots are the perfect place for a guy like Aaron because it's all business. And Aaron even complains in one of the calls, like, they try to take the fun out of it. Belichick, he kind of hates Belichick but loves Belichick. Um, so a lot of the players were shocked, but I think just as stunned as everybody else. I mean, you you have just, you know, his own, his own fiancé doesn't know he has a side apartment. Uh, his own fiancé doesn't know that he, you know, uh, you know wh- what his sexuality is. She's known him since high school. Everything in his life is this is a, is, a, is, a, is a secret to some other part of his life. So it's a very unusual uh, case. And and I, I the Patriots certainly, um, you know, you you see their their situation in, in the docu series. But uh, you know, I, I I think it's completely unfair to if and I know you weren't suggesting this, but for anyone to just be like, oh yeah, Belichick knew this guy was probably killing people, but he didn't. Care. I mean. You know, let's. Well, you, you got to be fair in these things, and I, and I think sometimes with Fernandez, some of the the reporting or the stories just isn't fair to everybody involved. This is a this is a master manipulator, you know, and uh, he manipulated everybody. I was going to say, Dan, I think we'd be critical of Belichick for any number of things, and I think that he, like any other coach, will overlook a number of things for talent. I don't think that he would overlook this guy going around killing people. 
Are you craving some protein after a good workout? This time, do not make a shake. Do not eat a bar. Grab a bag of beef jerky from Old Trapper. I love it. Why Old Trapper? Because Old Trapper beef jerky is tasty and it's tender. It's made with real strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a real wood fire. Old Trapper is also a family-owned business that takes smoked beef extremely seriously. You can taste it in every single bite. Who wants a dried tough beef in a bag nobody that's who be like eating a shoe old trapper is the real deal and it comes in four amazing flavors like old-fashioned which is sweetened with a touch of brown sugar goodness teriyaki peppered and hot and spicy for those of you who like to shake things up a bit next time you want a great protein and energy snack that you can have anytime anywhere Grab some Old Trapper beef jerky. Look for it in the Clearview bag. That way you can see the quality you're buying. Also, look for it in major retail stores near you. If you don't see it, be sure to ask for it by name because no other jerky compares Old Trapper. What is your beef? What about Odin Lloyd, Dan? Like, why did he kill Odin Lloyd? We don't know. There's never been a motive on why he killed Odin Lloyd. Uh, Odin Lloyd was by all accounts, his friend. Uh, Odin Lloyd uh, was dating a woman, Shania Jenkins, who was uh, attending law school up in Boston. She's the sister of Shayana Jenkins, who was, was Aaron Hernandez's fiance. So they hung out, to, the sisters hung out together. And Odin and, and Aaron would were kind of, you know, like you would with a potential future brother-in-law or something. You're, you're kind of forced into a, a deal, and they end up becoming friends. They, uh, Odin was a uh, gregar- very gregarious guy. He talked to his friends. They just loved him. He had a great spirit about him. And, um, they would just hang out in the basement, and, and he played semi-pro football. They had a lot in common. Uh, you know, he uh, talked to people. We talked to people in the in the docuseries, you know, two weeks before. Everyone's shooting pool and hanging out. It was like three nights before they all they go out to a club and hang out. And then all of a sudden, Odin Lloyd is, uh, it ends up murdered. What I would say at that time is it, it really goes back to Alexander Bradley, this, this drug and gun dealer that Aaron had befriended and become his friend. And he really thought at that time Alexander Bradley was going to kill him and was hunting him to kill him, which is why he had these other guys, Carlos Ortiz and, and uh, Ernest Wallace, these uh, kind of his bodyguards. He bought a like a $90,000 armored car at one point. He had all these weapons. He had this separate apartment to kind of hide out in and store his, his weapons. He thought he was going to, uh, he was getting hunted to be killed. And so uh, Aaron's was uh, consuming an incredible amount of drugs at that time, uh, partying, almost like he knew he, he thought he was going to die. And I'm not sure he had his, his mind in the right place or he'd be given suspicions somehow of Odin. We don't know, but the, the Odin Lloyd murder has never made any sense. None of the murders ever made any sense. There's never been a motive on any of them. And it's frustrated. You know, it's one thing for us to, to think the, the, the prosecutors spent, you know, years trying to figure out what the motives were. and They never could on these things. Everybody he attacked it ever alleged to attack were unarmed didn't know it was coming, had no power over them, um, and, and just, it just occurred. And so it never made, you know, if he's mad at uh, a guy or mad at uh, Odin, or, I mean, he, you know, he could punch him, he could fight him, he's Aaron Hernandez. But instead, 
there were there was guns involved and things like that. So none of that has ever made any sense, and, and I'm guessing never will. So, Dan, this docuseries was like three years in the works. I mean, it took like three years, right, to get this thing done. You were on that beat long before that. Five. 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 And yet there's still so many unanswered questions. Like, if that sit-down with Aaron Hernandez as part of this docuseries ever did happen, and you were the one to conduct it, like, what would you ask him? What would what do you need to know, or what would you want to know from him? I, the the word why would come out uh, like a hundred times. I mean, sure. Yeah, you know, I, I I think I think that's I don't I don't think it has to be for a docu series. I think if it's if it's he's sitting down with his his fiance or any of his, you know, why why did this have to happen? And uh, at this point, we don't know. Maybe someday we will. Uh, maybe there's you know, more jailhouse calls or, or there's more information, but uh, the why remains the, the mystery here um, because it, it, so much of what he did didn't make sense. But again, if you if you go through all of the things he was going through, uh, I'm not sure anything really made sense to him at that, at that stage. But at 23 years old, uh, you know, he only played three years in the NFL. He only wow. played three years at Florida. That's it. Played three years. Played nine years of football. Three in high school, three in college, three in the pros. That's it. That's his whole career. And um, he was he was incarcerated at twenty three years old. He was in the NFL at twenty one. Well, that, that that's all amazing to me. I mean, three years in the NFL. That that's that's hard to believe. If you didn't know that, that'd be a really hard thing to to imagine. Before you go, what about that issue of CTE? Because it was found that he had a severe case of CTE when his brain was studied posthumously. How do you view those findings? Like, in your opinion, is there a direct correlation between CTE and decision-making and violent behavior? Well, I think it, it probably played a role. Uh, I say in there, I don't think it's fair to blame this on football because, um, you know, we've there are 10,000 former NFL players, and they're not acting this way currently. But clearly he had... Uh, significant CTE problems. Now they said, well, at 27, he had the worst case you've ever seen. Well, that's because most times 27, they're, they're, you know, they're, they're alive. So we don't really know, but clearly he had it. And you look at the symptoms of CTE, the, the, I think one of the prosecutors said this, I guess I thought this was a cop out and a gimmick. And then you go, oh, it's about rash behavior and violence and all this different stuff. So, um, I'm, I, I, again, I think so many different things played a role. Uh, we go through, you, went through his career pretty much every reception and you watch every every play and there, I mean there are some colossal hits he took he was knocked out cold in a high school game uh, I think when you watch there's there's one hit that that is particularly jarring to see uh, not only be the violence of it and the reaction of Jim Nance and the broadcast of the of the hit but it, it comes from Ray Lewis Ray Lewis drills Aaron Hernandez head to head and you just think about these two guys and this game and that hit, and you're just like, man, there is, you know, we don't know what's going on, you know. So I, I can't rule anything out. I can't, I can hardly rule anything in uh, or, or exclude anything in, you know. It's, it's, it's just such a complicated story. But we did our best to try to try to tell it in the, you know, the best manner we possibly could. All right, so finally, it's streaming right now on Netflix. It is a three-part docuseries. You spent the better part of five years working on this as an EP and lending your journalistic abilities to it, Dan. So what was it like for you to sit down and watch this thing after all that work? 
Well, you watch it so many times because you're editing it or you're involved in the editing process. It's kind of hard because you. Um, I, I need to I need to give it a couple weeks and and then kind of just watch it on TV. But uh, the reaction's been uh, huge and overwhelming uh, off of the, just the first day. So um, I think it's like anything. If you went back on old shows, you say I should have said this or I should have asked this question. You know, you you know what's not in it or what could have been in it. Um, so it's a little hard hard for me to kind of. To, to watch it, um, but so far the re- the reaction's been been something else. I think we just I don't know. You just you just work, you know, you just work so hard on it. And with with um, Kevin Armstrong, we used to be with the New York Daily News to work with me on it, and Gino McDermott from from Blackfin who directed it, and, uh, all the people at Rock Paper Scissors, all of us just trying so hard to get it right and get it fair. Uh, I think that's almost becomes more of a focus than what, what's it actually look like at the end. Okay, so I'm going to let you go after this. Like, what's that like? Like you work, I mean, obviously in your career as an author, as a columnist, as somebody does podcasts, you're going to work alone or you might collaborate with somebody else. What was it like for you to work with so many others and be a part of such a huge project? Well, you, you know, as a writer, you, you tend to be able to control every, Right. Every last comma. So you give up a lot of that, but you also are surrounded by such exceptional talent. And um, Gino McDermott, our director, just believed in this project so much. I and mean, we got turned down by a lot of well, everywhere originally. And he funded uh, a documentary movie um, on this, which is which we, we got into the New York uh, City Doc Festival. And then that led to Netflix coming back and deciding to uh, to get involved and and add their immense talent and resources to it um, and turn it into a three-part doc. So um, you, you lose control, but you, you had great teammates. So it's a pretty good, it's a pretty good deal uh, on that. You, you don't have to do it all. I don't know how to make, like, I don't have a camera, right? I don't know how to make a movie, <laughs> right. uh, cut anything. I don't, I can, I can just, you know, watch it over and over and over and say, hey, I think this is a little, we could do this. Or I remember this piece of testimony, that quote might be better. And then, you know, you see what comes out and see how people like it. Check it out. It's a three-part documentary series. It's called Killer Inside, The Mind of Aaron Hernandez. It is already live and up on Netflix. Dan, I appreciate the time very, very much. I respect your time. And it's great to have you back on this podcast. Thank you so much. Always appreciate the support, Jim. Take care, man. Once again, for the record, nobody more dialed in and buttoned up than my guy, Dan Wetzel. Huge thanks to him for making his second appearance on the podcast. I cannot encourage you enough to follow this guy and to check out his work. And make sure you check out that three-part docuseries, which premieres on Netflix tonight. Killer Inside, The Mind of Aaron Hernandez. It's going to stream on Netflix. And make sure, while you're here, to do the big three in podcast support. Rate, review, and subscribe. Appreciate that very much. Thank you. We're back next week with Gamebred, the UFC's BMF, and Miami's very own Jorge Masvidal. It's going to be tremendous, especially since he can get as loose and uncensored as he wants. Can't wait for that. Make sure you look for it on Wednesday. Until then, appreciate you listening and supporting this here side hustle. I will catch you next week. Until then, here are your voicemails. First new message. Jim, what's up? Blaze from Idaho calling. I'm just uh, rearranging my 110-inch 1080 projector. And I was just thinking as I was moving the piece of furniture, how cool. Message deleted. Next message. Hi, Jim. That would be in Calgary. 
I played every pick James Kelly told us to pick. I lost my money, but that's okay because my Calgary Flames are in first place and I don't mind losing that Canadian money. Bye. Message saved. Next message. Hey, Jim, what's up? This is David from Buffalo. I'm calling in here to talk about Tobin from Chapel Hill calling in, thinking that he's part of this North Carolina mafia or whatever he calls himself. And this guy calls in so arrogantly like he's like the greatest caller to sports talk radio. Tobin from Chapel Hill is a nothing, Jim. Couldn't even call in with a take on the Tar Heels. Webb Simpson, who's playing some unbelievable golf. The Carolina Hurricanes are relevant again. And most of all, Matt Rules just got hired to be the Panthers' head coach. I mean, Tobin, way to call into a nationally syndicated sports talk show and have zero sports on a day where there's a zillion things to talk about. Keep it to sports clones. I'm out. Message saved. Next message. Romy, Justin, in Melbourne. Who the hell would ever want to get rid of Seth Greenberg? That guy has more fire than any coach out there, man. That's their loss. I love the conversation you had with him about his wife, too. Karen, you know, I'm no Columbo, dude, but uh, is she actually Mona in Knoxville? Message deleted. Next message. Thanks, Mac. What's up? This is Cabray from the Bay. Y'all thought the Vikings was going to come in and get the job done. Really? Really? Big head. <laughs> Big head. Really? Wrong. Don't bring that idiot back in again. Baltimore. Suddenly have my ass face. Wrong. Can we get the rat family back? Because Toby from Houston said, crank, 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 drunk bus, drunk bus. Blah. Message deleted. Next message. Saglito, I'm chopping at the bit, man. Lo and behold, the NPC not only landed Lane staying at Raising Kings Kiffin, but they also doubled that down with Pirate, Frequent, Long John Silver's Mike Leach. Man, that egg bowl is going to be epic. Oh, man, good times in the SEC to come, Romy. Outro. Message saved. You have no more messages. No one has allegedly murdered two people and then played an entire season as a professional athlete. I can't wait to be free. I'm Aaron Hernandez from Bristol, Connecticut. I play at Bristol Central High School. Aaron Hernandez was a different level of athlete. He was kind. He wasn't someone who picked on other kids. He's one of the best players in America. Get him the ball. The Patriots reward him with a $40 million contract. Aaron Hernandez was a ticking time bomb. The why is the story here. He was out to prove something. Like a tough guy all the time. He had a second residence. The flop house. He had trouble with drugs, with guns. Aaron was absolutely operating on the edge. New England Patriot Aaron Hernandez was arrested this morning at his residence. Aaron was accused of murdering Odin Lloyd, his future brother-in-law. How can an individual who has everything get involved in something like this? I was the happiest little kid in the world, and you fucked me up. I ain't living with that. You did. I had nobody. What do you think I was going to do? Become a perfect angel? Aaron was extremely terrified of his father. Violent outbursts were not uncommon in the Hernandez home. Aaron had history of concussion-related injuries. At the drop of a hat, he became angry and violent. 
You've had everything and threw it all away. We had to hide what we were. He was in such denial. Aaron had reason to fear for his own life. I wanted revenge. None of it makes sense. The story is not just the Aaron Hernandez story. There's a lot of lives affected by this guy. Had to be shocked for all your teammates. Next question. I'm gonna explode.